Hello and welcome to the Investopedia Express and a very special conversation with some of the top marketing executives and leaders in global advertising today. I'm Caleb Silver, the Editor-in-Chief of Investopedia and the host of the Investopedia Express. Investopedia is a proud part of the Dot Dash Meredith family of brands and we are delighted to be partnering with the ANA for a very special conversation with some of these top marketing executives about the state of the advertising industry and where we go from here. We're doing this in association with the ANA ahead of its Masters in Marketing Conference in Orlando and online. I'm delighted to be joined by Bob Leodis, the CEO of the ANA, Maggie Schmerin, the head of global advertising for United Airlines, Gary Osifkin, the CMO of Reckitt, and Norman DeGrev, the CMO of CVS. Thank you so much for being here. Bob, I want to start with you. Since sure. the ANA is such a key hub for the advertising industry, you have so much resources, so much data, and you're hearing from your members all the time. You have that connectivity. How fierce are the headwinds right now? What are you hearing from your membership? Well, it's a great time of uncertainty, uh, clearly. We started the year with a lot of excitement around the metaverse, but then the headwinds of the economy took over and the great resignation as well. So the headwinds are pretty fierce right now. It's leading to a reasonable 2022 but we know that in 2023, it's really going to accelerate and really put us on our back foot. Yeah, you're putting the metaverse, uh, the great resignation, we have fears of a recession, all of these words coming together at once. That's enough. Any one of those would be enough. So what are you hearing in terms of budgets, in terms of strategy and tactics from your membership? What are they telling you? We know that everybody went into this latest period with a lot of caution. A recent survey by the World Federation of Advertisers just released today has essentially said that about 40 to 45% of marketers around the world are going to be cutting back their budgets next year. So that's the first indication, without actually having felt the full effects of the recession yet, that people are going to be very, very cautious about planning their budgets for the next year. Yeah, they're cutting now, and they haven't even, we haven't even right. gotten to the point where the data is telling us we're definitively in a recession or have been in one. Maggie, your industry has been through so much over the past two and a half years, so many pivots. How has that changed the way you and your team approach your marketing and branding strategies? couple of months, it was like, hey, we're traveling again, a lot of revenge travel. Another couple of months, hey, it looks like we're going to pull back a little bit. And now the fears of an economic downturn. How have you been able to pivot and, and what are the long lasting effects of all of that? Yeah, the biggest thing is being able to be nimble and really condense the timeline in which advertising operates in. We are much more closely aligned with the speed at which news headlines move, social media moves, and just making sure we can be responsive to what we're seeing. You know, the good news for us is that people did return to air travel. It was a historic summer for air travel this year. So we don't have to sell travel. I often joke that my two least favorite words right now are wanderlust and daydreaming. <laughs> we have done enough of that, all of us, for the past couple of years. And so I don't have to sell people on the notion of getting back out there. But the job that my team has to do is sell why United Airlines. And so that's really what we're focused on right now. Right. And you do oversee social as well as yes. part of your purview. So that allows you to make those quick pivots. Mm -hmm. What did you find worked really well for you, say, over the past 12 months as we were sort of coming out of this and folks were getting back on the road? Yeah, it's being as communicative as possible, really letting people know exactly what's going on. We had customers rejoining us after not traveling for a year or several months, and things look different. So really being as helpful as we can. You know, we've taken a different approach to the advertising we have in our hub airports and made that all about utility. And so if you are a customer seated at the gate and you have 20, 25 minutes to show you that you should have the United app downloaded and here are all the bells and whistles it offers and everything that you can do. And so we've really reframed the message that we give to people in those moments of need to just be as useful and communicative as possible. Yeah, more hospitality than, exactly. than, than a lot of other 
trying to sell something. Yeah. Yeah, Gary, your brands at Reckitt span over the entire household. You have Woolite, you have Airwick, you got the healthcare aisle with Clearasil, Strepsils, among others. You also have Lysol, which has been having quite a moment over the past <laughs> couple of years. So you really have your finger right on the pulse of consumer spending, which has been holding up for now, though. Where are you feeling the sensitivities in the market, and how are you responding as a marketing team? Yeah, you know, I mean, particularly in Lysol. I mean, Lysol is a brand that has been around for for decades, right? But Lysol through COVID has come out stronger than ever. Lysol, in terms of its role and purpose in people's lives, in terms of breaking the chain of infection, remains critical. Our total business is up over forty percent versus pre-pandemic. And new products are important, like Lysol laundry sanitizer, Lysol on-the-go wipes as travel increases again.、Uh, so I think the relevancy of our brand Lysol and other brands, if you think about Finnish auto distributors, people as we're potentially heading into recession will eat at home more often and will make that trade off of restaurant spending, and so they'll be doing more cooking, which results in more dishes. So I think we're positioned well、uh, coming out of COVID with the strength of our brands and with. Some of of what is happening from an economic standpoint now, Norman. How are you merging that online offline experience? I think I recently read that seventy six percent of your customers live within five miles of one of your CVS pharmacies. People go there once, twice, maybe even three times a week. So you have the in store touch points, but then you have the digital touch points. How are you merging those two together to make it work? What's the strategy there? Yeah, so this is a great question, and it's a really great question because it's observing what's happening with consumer behavior. And I think for a number of years now, we've Been in a mode of consumers want、uh, everything delivered, and like that makes intuitive sense to us. We all have a lot of deliveries coming to our house, and so we we like that. And what's really happened? What we can see happening in all of the Google data and our and our own data is that consumers like literally cannot wait for tomorrow anymore. They literally want it now. So they want the convenience. Of online because they just you know they can take care of the tasks wherever they are. It's more comfortable, a little more easy. Then they want to pick it up today in the store, and so that stuff like BOPIS we call it and in the industry term and is just growing like crazy. And in that world, a place that has locations close to your house does exceedingly well because it's just easier for someone to get from wherever they are on their phone. Ordering stuff to picking it up, and so so it's it's like we've seen、uh, the world move from everybody wanting to be at home getting it delivered to I want convenience for online, but I want to get it today, and I'll go to the place closest to me to get it today, and it's driving like tremendous growth in our business. So Bob, as you look out at the landscape for 2023, we know folks are pulling back. Are there certain areas that your membership is telling you that they're pulling back more on? Are there fears about wading too deep into the upfronts and maybe waiting to buy things a little bit more in the scatter, as we call it, or at the moment when it seems like that's the right time for brand activation? Well, right now most of the marketers have probably gone long, and they already have their commitments out there. So we think that through the end of this year and into the early part of the next year, we'll probably still have a reasonably healthy level of spending. But I think what's more important are the changes in messages that have to come out. First-party data, the analytics that go along with it, because what that's doing is it's elevating the discipline and the science of marketing, which for way too long we've just been absent from. But concurrently with that has been a greater focus in on purpose and humanity, and the ability for marketers to recognize that it's really twofold. One, they have to be able to drive their business naturally, but two, they also have to focus in on being friends with the consumer. Recognizing an authentic relationship with the consumer is paramount, particularly 
for somebody of, of Gary's ilk, and, and for a large degree, the, the United Airlines, you have to be loyal to the consumer and to go out of your way to create that authentic relationship. So I think what we're going to see is a greater focus in on the messaging along with how we're going to manage ourselves in that downward spiral of, of spending. Yeah, which leads me to you. You rarely hear from folks when things are great. Right. They expect that. They expect to arrive on time and have their bags mm -hmm. arrive on time. On the other hand, you hear a lot from folks who are not so happy with it. So obviously you have various KPIs, but what's the most important where you sit in terms of measuring satisfaction or the effectiveness of your marketing? Yeah, I, I would you know share the emphasis on measurement, and that has been a real focus for us the last couple of years. We measure absolutely everything we do, whether that's a simple organic tweet that we put out all the way through to our advertising campaigns in new and different ways than we have done you know in the past, and really looking at those standard KPIs that you might expect. You know, at the end of the day, are we getting people to fly with us? Are we selling tickets? But right now, we're really focused on changing how people feel about United, and so really focused on that shift in art and perception. And a lot of the work that we're doing right now, you know, we have a campaign out there and a new tagline that we launched in May called Good Leads the Way. And in all of the advertising that you see, we do not talk about where we fly. And that's incredibly different for mm. airline advertising and where we've been in the past. We've all seen the ads, you know, fly to more than 330 <laughs> destinations or more flights to Hawaii than any other airline. And we have really moved away from that mm. to tell people exactly what we're doing, whether that's diversifying the flight deck, investing in new technology for the environment to suck carbon out of the air, you know, acknowledging the role that we play in sustainability and what we need to therefore do to be part of the solution. So those are the things that we're looked at, looking at now and measuring to see if we're really landing the message and making an impact there. So Gary, as you look at your brands, all of this is really a question of the message, the medium, and the words that you're using. And since you have such a variety of brands, are there sort of keywords that unify what's happening inside your shop at Reckitt uh, that you're trying to apply to all of those brands across the boards? Is it a word thing? Is it an image thing? Is it an overall feel to what the company should be about? Or are people just so tightly affiliated with each individual brand? Yeah, every brand's different. I mean, for me, it starts with the efficacy of our products and what job we do in the world. Um, and it's tied then with millennials and younger consumers wanting to have brands have a, a broader purpose in the world. It's critical for us to identify the product efficacy up through the purpose that we can provide. So it's interesting because the talk on sustainability and, and, and carbon from a United standpoint, uh, you know, from a Finnish uh, auto dish standpoint, Finnish uh, delivers an, an unbeatable clean, tough on stains from an auto dish standpoint in terms of 24 hours after stuck on, dried on stains on your dishes. But when you use Finnish, you save water. By using Finnish in your auto dishwasher, every cycle saves 20 gallons of water. So our campaign, while focused on our efficacy and our 24-hour challenge that we're launching, is also very much tied to our skip the rinse purpose in the world, which is every time you skip the rinse with finish, we do the job and you save water versus hand wash. So very critical for us to find that right linkage from a product efficacy role up to what we can do from a sustainability and purpose in the world. And are you actually seeing pickup based on those sustainability messages where your consumers are targeting those specifically or saying, that resonates with me, I think I'm going to affiliate with this brand now. Absolutely. Uh, millennials are looking for brands that do more than, than than just the job that they hire them to do. You have to do the job. You have to deliver the, the, the cleaning of the dishes in one cycle. And if you do that well, you have the ability to also communicate about your broader purpose and in that instance, saving water. 
Great stuff. Now I want to get to a, pick up the pace a little bit. We're on the Investopedia Express. We like to move things a little faster here. And we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round, go through a, several questions here. I'd love to hear each of your perspectives on it. We'll start with you, Bob. Overall, U.S. ad spending in 2023, you kind of alluded to it already. Higher or lower than 2022? We know 2021 was a barn burning of a year in terms of ad spend. 2023 feels like it's going to be lower. What's your estimate? Yeah, no, no question about that. I would say that it's probably going to be in the negative five to 10% range. I do think that marketers are going to focus in on the productivity of their investments. I think they're going to push more into the digital arena. So I think we're going to get an increase in the digital spend, but a, a significant decrease in what more of the legacy media. Easier to dial that up and dial that down yeah. for marketers right now. So how about you, Gary, in terms of your prediction for spend overall? And if you already have a sense of what's going on in your shop, we'd love to know. I call it flattish. I think it's important in my experience to spend through an economic downturn and to still deliver products that people need and want and desire and build your equity through that. But you do have to offer uh, the value proposition that consumers are looking for. But from a digital standpoint, there's no question. Flexibility of digital is real. How about you, Norman? What are your predictions for overall ad spend in 2023? Everybody feels it's going to be a little bit lower. Where do you target it? Ad spend is going to come under pressure in 2023. You're going to see a bit of reduction of the brand sort of spend and more movement into performance sort of stuff. So that's what I see happening. I want to look out at the trends that you think are going to be the most important. We talked a little bit about privacy. We talked a little bit about the tracking. Is it going to be privacy measurement? Is it brand purpose? Is it DEIB? Is it something else that you think is going to be a dominant theme for the next two to five years? I mean, I think digital transformation, we've been talking a lot about digital transformation, the ability in a fragmented media world for us as marketers to ensure we're spending our dollars in the most effective way to reach our targeted audiences is critical. And that that trend is here to stay. Within that is DEI and the fact that we will be a majority minority nation by 2040 and the fact that those audiences we need to reach and connect with are much, much more diverse than they've ever been and will continue to be. Right. How about you, Maggie? Which, which trend do you think will be the most important? Yeah, I'll pick you uh, back on the measurement trend. You know, that's something we are all talking about as top of mind, but we're really looking for it to be much more integrated. You know, it still feels a little bit like a separate thing we all talk about and focus on or a add-on at the end of the work that we're doing. And so we're looking for partners that are absolutely baking in measurement from the get-go, and it's not kind of this separate add-on conversation And so I look for brands to be much more demanding um, of the partners that they work with when it comes to measurement and what people deliver. As for you, Norman, and CVS, what trends do you think are going to be the most important for the next two to five years? Yeah, I think there's a couple of trends that I would really point to. One is purpose. When I talk about purpose, it's not just for consumers. It's actually more for employees. Increasingly, we see that people want to work for a company that seems like it has a conscience that seems to represent the values that they have. And I think just words aren't enough for employees. And so demonstrating your commitment to your purpose in meaningful ways is really important for recruiting and retention and engagement. And when you do that, you drive the next generation of growth of your company. So that's super important. The next big trend, which is we've talked about a lot, but I think we're really going to start to see happening is we've talked a lot about data, but really I think for companies with a lot of data like like CVS, the next big trend is really the analytics on top of that data. And so I kind of like, we all remember the, the, the cover page of data is the new oil. It's really analytics now that's going to be the power. And that gets into you know AI and machine learning and not alone, but in combination with humans who can drive the next generation of performance. 
from where you sit at the ANA, which which trend do you think will be most? Yeah, I, I think one area that's really been bubbling up, and I think it was alluded to early in the conversation, is sustainability. And what we're really trying to focus in on is how we can leverage as brands sustainability as a growth strategy. You know, it's not just about saving the planet, but it is infusing a coherent and purposeful sustainability message that marketers and consumers will all resonate to. So I think that's going to ramp up big time next year. Great point. Well, now it's time to throw a little love at your fellow marketers and advertisers out there. I want to ask each of you for your favorite marketing campaign that wasn't from your shop of all time, favorite ad of all time. What got you in the business? What did you see out there that said, I'm going to be a marketer? What what inspired you? Uh, I mean, I think the Dove Real Beauty campaign uh, is one of the first product to purpose campaigns that has inspired me. And they've been able to consistently elevate that campaign for over a decade now. And has inspired many marketers, myself included, to deliver great ideas that connect with people in the world. Norman, your favorite campaign of all time, what really inspired you and got you into this business? There is no question that the best ad campaign of all time is what Geico has done. And like that's the super exciting one, although I think you kind of like it and you feel like the geckos, the geckos enjoyable, but they stuck to one phrase for so long and they did it in a way that was interesting. Like if you came to a, a creative and said, hey, I need you to make an ad for an insurance company and I needed to really drive a lot of insurance policies, they would basically be like, could I go work somewhere else? And yet Geico did it in a way that my kids actually want to watch the Geico ads on YouTube. So why is it so effective? They stuck to one message. They, they focused their creativity, not on changing the message, but on making the message memorable over time. They did it in such an entertaining way that people actually not just remember the ad, but they actually go find the ads on YouTube to look at them. So, so there's different ways to look at this, but I look at what Geico did for so long and say that has to be the best campaign of all time. Okay, Bob, your favorite of all time. You've seen a lot of ads. I have, and the one that always stands out is the Apple 1984. What was your favorite of all time? Yeah, I'm a big sports fan, and so I grew up loving the This Is Sports Center ads for ESPN. (laughs) Those great ads that they would do with the anchor personalities, the athletes, the mascots, and to think, wait a second, you can advertise sports? You know, how cool is that? And they made their own documentary of all those commercials, and it's really like lifting up the curtain in a way, but also Mm -hmm. having some fun with it. So I agree with you on that. Great stuff. Great choices from all of you. Let's stick with you. Your mantra for your team, closing out 2022, heading into 2023, what's the rallying cry for the United Marketing Yeah, we talk a lot about uh, something we call All Brands Peak. It's a mythical mountain range uh, of all the world's great brands. Mm -hmm. And we feel really good about where we are on Airline Mountain and looking at, you know, other U.S. airlines. But now we're focused on really all brands and just being a great brand when it comes to marketing and pushing up and out of the airline category. And so we're no longer as focused on, you know, the competitors in the travel space, but really looking at what else is going on out there, taking inspiration, maybe what to do, what not to do, and focused on a much bigger category. Jerry, how about you? Yeah, I'm focused on executing flawlessly now in Q4 and setting ourselves up for a fast start in Q1. The competitive nature of our business to stay relevant to consumers is real, and we need to 
we need to do this year and do it well and finish it, but also get off to a quick start next year. Norman, same question to you. The rallying cry for us in 2023 is going to be all about experience. Like we are going to do the communications that we need to do. But if you are a modern marketer and you look at how your brand is built today, it is built 75% out of experience. And if you don't focus on that and you think your job is to build the brand, you're focusing on the smallest lever you have. So in 2023, our big rally cry for, from everything from digital to our stores to our communications is how do we create a leading experience? And if we do that, it gives tremendous leverage to the storytelling we do in communications. Yeah, great stuff. Bob, take us home. Yeah, the uh, while well, our mission is all about growth, uh, growth for humans, growth for brands, uh, growth for our industry and growth for humanity, Internally, we have to work to distinguish ourselves from other associations and organizations. And our mantra for a long, long time has been about three words, quality, quality, quality. And that's the way we, we get to be differentiated. Yeah, keeping it simple, not so easy, but thank you so much, all of you, for joining the Investopedia Express. What a fascinating conversation. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this special bonus edition of the Investopedia Express. We are out every Monday with a fresh new show to help educated investors get ready for the week and share conversations with some of the most fascinating people in finance today. This week, Mohamed Alarian joins the show with his forecast for the economic recovery and why the road may be bumpy, but the destination will be worth it. Next week, Liz Ann Saunders, the chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab, joins the Express with advice for investors of all ages in all stages. Subscribe to the Express wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review, and recommend us if you like what you hear. And we'll talk again a little further on down the line.